the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, as we open up the book of Genesis here today on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, we do so here in chapter 30, beginning at verse 25. It's a, a battle of wits, if you will. Laban and Jacob are getting ready to go their separate ways. But who gets what? And how much will Jacob actually walk away with? Just exactly what side is the Lord on? Well, these are questions we are answering here today on Study Verse by Verse. Coming to you from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno and online at highlands.us. Here's Pastor Layton with today's Study Verse by Verse. Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. After Rachel gave birth to Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me on my way so I can go back to my own homeland. Give me my wives and children for whom I have served you and I will be on my way. You know how much work I've done for you. Now, the passage doesn't specifically tell us how much time has passed since Jacob began to work for Laban. But this conversation takes place seven or more years after Jacob's marriage to Rachel because he has now fulfilled and paid the promised bride price. And in this very short period of time, he has accumulated 11 sons. So the obvious implication is that there was more than one wife who was with child simultaneously. And Leah, with the exception of a brief period that's referenced at the end of chapter 29, was particularly fertile, having had six sons in seven years. So it also becomes apparent to us that the described history of the births, it is the intention of the author to arrange them primarily based on their mothers rather than chronological order. Now, Jacob went to Laban and he announced that uh, he was going to go home. He wanted to go home and he wanted to take his wives and his children with him. And he reminded Laban that he had lived up to his part of the bargain. And so there was no more legal claim against him. Verse 27, but Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, please stay. I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. He added, name your wages and I will pay them. So the Bible tells us that crafty Laban's not about to give up his son-in-law, especially knowing that his son-in-law's presence brings him great blessing from Jacob's God. And he surely had heard of the promises that God had made to Abraham and his descendants, and he wanted a piece of that action. Now, the reference to divination shows that Laban was a pagan. Divination was forbidden to Israel in Leviticus chapter 19 and Deuteronomy chapter 18, but that was written 400 years in the future by Moses in the Mosaic law. Now, here we find that momentarily Laban grovels before Jacob, that flattery was second nature. He says, if I have found favor in your eyes... And so Laban speaks to Jacob as though Jacob was his superior. 
And of course, this is part of his plan to keep Jacob close so that he can profit from Jacob. Laban plainly declares that his overriding interest is money. He's not a man of faith. You would think that having seen God's blessing on Jacob, there would have been something stirred within him to want to know this God that blessed Jacob so. But Laban had no such interest. His only desire was for worldly prosperity. And so he cuts to the chase and asks the bottom line, name your wages and I will give it. Now, there had been a time before when he had gotten the better bargain by letting Jacob name his own wages. Remember that the typical bride price was three or four years, but Jacob offered seven in exchange for Rachel's hand in marriage. So he made the same proposition again. Jacob merely had to name his price and Laban assured him that he would meet it if Jacob would continue working for him. Verse 29, Jacob said to him, you know how I have cared for you and how your livestock is fared under my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I have been. But now when may I do something for my own household? So what Jacob here is saying in effect is I've worked for you and you have prospered. And now it's time for me to work in such a way that my own household prospers. What shall I give you? Laban asked. Don't give. Don't give me anything. Jacob replied. But if you will do this one thing for me, I will go on tending your flocks and watching over them. Let me go through all your flocks today and remove from them every speckled or spotted sheep, every dark colored lamb and every spotted or speckled goat. They will be my wages and my honesty will testify for me in the future. Whenever you check on the wages, you've paid me any goat in my possession that's not speckled or spotted or any lamb that's not dark colored will be considered stolen. Now, the background here is that the dominant color of sheep is a solid white and the dominant color of goats are, is a solid dark brown or black. And that striped and spotted animals are in the minority. Uh, Jacob here did not wish for Laban to give, give him anything. He learned that God would supply everything that he needed. And he did not want to be indebted to this man who he'd come to know as a self-seeking, deceptive, ungodly schemer. And so he makes a proposition here to Laman, which would give God the opportunity to bring blessing to Jacob without taking anything from Laban. Though Laban had doubtless expected that Jacob would ask for a portion of his own flocks and herds in order to start his own. Jacob would not take anything of Laban's, which now existed. Instead, he agreed to shepherd and supervised Laban's flocks, and his pay would consist of those animals yet unborn who would be less desirable to Laban because of their markings. And so, therefore, it would be entirely up to God as to how many animals would become Jacob's. Laban would lose nothing that belonged to him. And it would appear that Jacob would acquire very few animals in the process, also because he had no breeding stock of his own to begin with. So the agreement was that when they bred, the more common plain-colored 
animals would belong to Laban. And the rare spotted or striped would belong to Jacob. And so from every angle, this seemed like a really good deal for Laban. There were no loopholes, and he thought he could not lose. He forgot about God. Agreed, said Laban. Let it be as you have said. So he agrees to the proposal. How long do you think he keeps his agreement? Not very long. That same day, didn't even last to the end of the day. That same day, he, that is Laban, not Jacob, removed all the male goats that were streaked and spotted and all the speckled or spotted female goats, all that had white on them and all the dark colored lambs. And he placed them in the care of his sons. And he put a three day journey between himself and Jacob while Jacob continued to tend the rest of Laban's flocks. You remember in verse 34 that uh, Laban had agreed for Jacob to go through the herd and remove the spotted animals. But in verse 35, it's the suspicious Laban who goes through and removes the multicolor animals. Now, uh, Jacob had not given Laban any reason to mistrust him, but it's hard for men who themselves are dishonest to trust anyone. I find this, quite char- this characteristic quite common. And this deal was so unbelievably good for Laban, he thought there's got to be some kind of catch. Maybe, maybe... While they're not looking, Jacob's going to bring the flocks together and there'll be more animals to uh, create the animals with multicolors. So he decides not to trust Jacob and he, he separates these flocks, probably with the help of his sons. And then to make it quite impossible for these flocks to intermingle, he sends his son off, his sons off with the mottled sheep and goats three days away three days away so what does that leave us then that leaves us Jacob with only a monochrome flock to care for and it's expected they're going to produce very few irregular colors so Laban thinks he has limited Jacob's potential growth Verse 37, Jacob, however, took fresh cut branches from poplar, almond, and plane trees and made white stripes on them by peeling the dark, the bark and exposing the white inner wood of the branches. Then he placed the peeled branches in all the watering troughs so that they would be directly in front of the flocks when they came to drink. When the flocks were in heat and came to drink, they made it in front of the branches and they bore young that were streaked or speckled or spotted. Jacob set apart the young of the flock by themselves, but made the rest face the streaked and dark-colored animals that belonged to Laban. Thus he made separate flocks for himself and did not put them with Laban's animals. Whenever the stronger females were in heat, Jacob would place the branches in the troughs in front of the animals so that they would mate near the branches. But if the animals were weak, he would not place them there. So the weak animals went to Laban and the strong ones to Jacob. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and men servants and camels and donkeys. You know, there have been some of the scholars, the Bible scholars, who suggested that Jacob deceived Laban by making this bargain and using unfair means 
to increase the portion of spotted and striped animals that were born. It should not be forgotten, however, that Jacob had been given the opportunity by Laban to set his own wages. He could have required a significant portion of Laban's flock to begin his own flock with and had that flock mixed for the best results. The point is that that Jacob made this bargain as difficult for himself and as generous to Laban as it possibly could have been. And so there's no basis at all for any of the criticisms or accusations against Jacob's conduct in this regard. We'll close our time together right there and pick up where we left off tomorrow here on Study Verse by Verse as we continue our look at the Battle of Wits here in Genesis chapter 30. Our time together in Genesis is a really encouraging time looking at the beginnings of all things and how God orchestrates it all. If you have questions or comments about our time together today, we invite you to address them on our website via email, highlands.us. That's where you'll find us, highlands.us. Tomorrow, back in the book of Genesis chapter 30, we trust you'll join us there as our studies in Genesis will continue here on Study Verse by Verse with our teacher and pastor, Leighton Sheely. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.